Hello and welcome to the latest podcast episode of the Ball and Chain podcast. I am your host, Mark Thomas, coming to you from depressing LA after uh, yesterday's Packer game, which we'll get into with long time, uh, but haven't talked to in a while guest, uh, Jess Udi, who's going to be joining me here in a minute uh, on the Ball and Chain podcast. Last time we had Jess on was last March after COVID hit and the NBA shut down. So it has been a long time. He was actually the first guest ever on the Ball and Chain podcast last year, February. And then he came on for another episode quickly. And then we haven't had him back forever. But good news, he is going to be a reoccurring guest every week. Uh, we're, hoping, we're hoping to record every Monday night uh, and having him on then. And we are, and I am, super excited to have him on because when we talk uh, together, we are able to, able to banter back and forth on awesome topics in the world of sports and crypto. So with that being said, let me welcome my friend and investor in Zen Sports and for some reason, Tom Brady fan, Jess Udi. How is it going, How Jess? How you doing, Mark? I'm excellent. How are you, man? <laughs> hey, well, my boy Tom Brady got the W yesterday, so I'm doing pretty good over here. Okay, so let's start with that. So obviously the audience knows I'm a diehard Packers fan. Uh, I was uh, 85 to 90% expecting to win this weekend. Uh, obviously going up against the best quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. Um, also the oldest quarterback of all time to play in a <laughs> uh, Super Bowl. Uh, or I don't know if he was also the oldest ever played in, in a championship game. Um, I'm not sure if Warren Moon had that distinction. But anyways. Um, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah, I think he is also the oldest ever playing a, a, a championship game. Because I think Favre was 41 when he played. And I think Moon might have been 40 or something like that. So, any case. All right. So, let's start with my take here on this. And uh, a couple of takes, I should say. And then I want to see if you agree or disagree with that. And then go into your hmm. takes if, from if, there. If I had to predict, I think we're going to hear the word holding. No, 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 no. I don't blame stuff on referees like that. So, uh, I mean, we can talk about that part of it, but that's not, no, that's not where I'm going. So, um, so my number one take on all of this, which actually goes right into the same disappointment and outcome that we had last year in the NFC championship game against the Niners, which I went to that game is, and you could even make the argument of the, a similar issue in the Seattle NFC championship game in 2014 that they lost is it always seems like the Packers in championship games have coaching lapses in very specific, crucial moments that you just absolutely can't do in big games. So in the 2014 NFC championship game against Seattle, uh, the two major coaching lapses were Mike McCarthy not going for it twice on fourth and one from the goal line and settling for field goals. And then also the special teams, which I blame this on coaching, Brandon Bostic um, flubbing up the onside kick and Seattle recovering, which then gave him the ability to uh, score the tying touchdown, take it to overtime and win it from there. And then in this game, sorry, in last year's game, in the game against the Niners, Mike Pettin, our defensive coordinator, absolutely positively did not fucking have the run defense prepared in any way, shape or form. And literally Garoppolo completed like eight passes and they scored 37 points against us. And then this year, um, while Kevin King sucks, and he's a bad cornerback, um, to allow him or to not 
uh, you know, drill it into his brain at the end of the first half that he must stay behind every receiver to not allow that touchdown. That, in my opinion, was where the game was lost. And even from the score perspective. I, I agree. That was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. And that's coaching. That, in my opinion, Kevin King is not good, so we, we get that. But even the worst cornerbacks can keep a guy 20, 15, 20 yards in front of him. Especially with that much time left in, in the half. It's like that's literally your only job at that point is to keep guys in front of you because they only had time for one play. Well, they like, did have, they, they could, they look, I understand keeping a few guys up front because they could do a quick out pass and then kick a field goal. Um, but you got to have at least five guys deep and say, Hey, you need to stay back. You don't need to, you don't need to get any pressure on Brady. You just, you know, prevent, just prevent a pass. I mean, yeah, yeah. That was crazy though. He was way too open. It, it was absolutely positively the Jets Raiders game all over again. And, you know, it's like, okay, well fine. Send Pet into the Jets then. <clears throat> if he's going to be that incompetent, in managing a Super Bowl caliber team in the most important game of the season and can't make sure his, you know, guys know what's going on. Take the freaking time out if you need to. I mean, once they stopped, once the Buccaneers decided not to punt and to go for it, at that point, if you are not 100% utterly ready and prepared, call a freaking timeout. They still had one. And in my opinion, that was not just seven points, but a demoralizing seven points. And totally changed the outcome of the game. Especially going into the half. Yeah. I mean. Great. Yeah, I agree. And so I, my take is, look, I mean, I think this is a, a pretty obvious take. I mean, Brady had a fantastic first half and an awful second half. I mean, it was total Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, a in the first half, D minus or so in the second half. Whereas I think Rodgers played about a B, B minus game most of the way through the game. Um, so he was more consistent. But, you know, consistency is not necessarily needed in, a, in one game because it's all about putting up points. And so if you have a very yes. great yep. – if you have a great two-quarter, an amazing two quarters, and then a shitty second two quarters, that can sometimes still be okay. Um, Which in Brady's case it was. Yeah. But so then I normally, I normally believe that blaming Rodgers on these games is really dumb because I felt for the most part he played great uh, or played really solid. I mean, Devontae Adams dropping the second touchdown in the end zone in the yeah. first half. Yeah, I mean, Rodgers had three touchdowns and a pick. Like, that is not a bad game. And I should have had four. Adams I mean, if Adams would have caught it, it would have been four. Four touchdowns and a Yeah, pick. exactly. But the one area, and Christopher Russo on Mad Dog brought this up, Mad Dog Radio brought this up today, which I have to agree with this, is if you want to, and he's a top 10 quarterback of all time. He's probably somewhere around sixth or seventh or eighth, whatever. Um, if you want to really, really, really be in the same, same conversation as Brady, and you, and you wouldn't be even with two Super Bowls or three Super Bowls, but if you wanted to, you cannot on basically three interceptions go three and out, three and out field goal and lose the game by five points. Just can't. Yes. Yeah, that was huge. You're right. I, I that's a That's actually a stat that I hadn't heard yet, but – Looking back, they did nothing with those turnovers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, clearly in one game, anything, you know, any little one play can obviously be a, a big game changer. The Bucks scored on every turnover, didn't they? Well, we only had one turnover. We had the fumble, we had the fumble by Jones. Yeah. What about the interception, though? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, my apologies. Um, yeah, that was the one at the end of the half I brought up. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And they, they ended up scoring on both of those. Yep. Yes. 
So, but I still think if you take away that basically kind of Hail Mary-ish type play at the end of the first half, I think if you take that out, I do believe the Packers win. Of course, we never know, but I believe it's certainly much closer. And uh, I, I still think they win, but you just can't allow that, not just because of the points, which clearly ended up being the difference in the game. They lost by five and that was a seven point play. It's also just from a moral perspective, you know, a demoralization perspective. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that a little bit attributed to Jones's fumble at the beginning of the second half, right? He's probably trying to do too much, you know, because of what happened at the end of the first half um, or maybe, you know, just had other stuff on his mind, you know, and when you have those kinds of things in a game, you just, it's very tough to recover from them. Very, very tough to recover. Um, so, I mean, from my perspective, yes, Roger should have done more in the second half, but I just, if you look at when they won the Super Bowl in 2010, Rogers was pretty good in the playoffs that year, but he wasn't, I mean, he was about the same as he was yesterday, but they had a much, much, much better defense and never would have had uh, any kind of mental lapse like that. So you, you got you got to do something to help out. I mean, you can't just completely hundred percent put it on his shoulders. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What were your thoughts on the uh, fourth down at the end of the game? Okay. So a couple things here. First of all, um, LaFleur should not have gone for two as early as he did. I thought that was a mistake because yes, you, that, that was crazy. And here's why. Yes. You want to cut the game because at that point they had scored the touchdown and it was 31, 20, uh, uh, 28, 23. Yes. You want to cut it to a field goal game. I get that. I'm not saying that. And probably in the regular season go for it. Right. But you have to figure that the Buccaneers are going to score or get the ball back. And if they score again, if they kick another field goal, don't you, wouldn't you much rather be down by just seven instead of eight, if you don't get the two point conversion. And so, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, that's, that's huge. Cause I mean, I, I don't know exactly what the two point conversion percentage is in the NFL, but I know it's, it's a little there. over, it's a little over 50%. And with, with Rogers, let's just call it 60 or 65%. And the guy, St. Brown dropped the ball. I mean, it should have been, they should have converted it, but that's the problem. Yeah, with the two, that's true. That's, that's true. A, the problem with the two point conversion is one little stupid thing goes wrong and you don't get it. So I think you have to be prepared for the worst in that situation. I.e. you're not going to get the two point conversion and the Buccaneers are at least going to get a field goal and you're going to be back down by seven again. So what are your thoughts on that? Because that's what I was thinking when I said, I don't think they should have gone for two at that point. I don't think they should have gone for two either when they did it, obviously, like, I mean, if it works, that, that one's a tough call. Like I actually kind of agreed with that one more than not letting Rogers have, have that fourth down. But as far, as far as that two point conversion, I mean, in, I mean, hindsight's everything, but with that not working, the eight point game ended up being the difference, obviously. Cause that, I mean, you don't have to make a decision like that uh, at the end of a game if if that two point conversion doesn't happen. So I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, I mean, at the time, I understand trying to be aggressive. So, but it's weird because then he kind of contradicted himself. He got aggressive with the uh, two point conversion, and then he got he got not aggressive with the field goal. So 
it was a little weird. And both of them ended up obviously not working out. So it was like, I, I don't know if, if you're going to commit to one thing, commit to it, in my opinion. But my point is, is if you don't go for two early on, like they did, then you, if you're down by seven, I think then LaFleur goes for it on fourth and eight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That actually is probably true too. That's what I'm saying. So the two point by going for two earlier on, it then impacted his judgment and decision-making later on in the game when he should have gone forward on fourth and eight with Rogers. I, I really do believe that they go for it if they're down seven, whereas if they're down eight, they're probably worried about getting the two point conversion. So they say, screw it. Let's just get the field goal. And, um, and then take our chances with trying to get the ball back. I, I really believe if they were down by seven, I think they would have gone for it on fourth and eight. I mean, you're probably right. You're probably right. And still at the same time, at the same time, oof, like right, right when they kicked the field goal as, as a Tom Brady fan, I was feeling really good about it because the bucks weren't just going to run those they weren't going to run it three times. Like that was never going to happen. In fact, like, I don't know what happened on that kickoff either. I don't know what that. Well, that was a bad play. He slid too early. He should have, he should have waited till the clock was at one fifty nine. My mind was blown. He just, he gave the Packers four timeouts. So even that first and nine that Brady got was, was literally dis like it, it was taken away by that slide because then the Packers just came and started the downs over again. Um, but you knew, you knew that there was going to be a point where they were going to be passing. And I mean, it's just those situations. It's like you have Aaron Rodgers, who's one of the best of all time and uh, probably is going to be the MVP this year. And then you've got Tom Brady on the other side against, uh, against a good defense for sure. But it's like, it, it's still Brady. I just don't understand why if you have Rodgers, you're going to put it in the other guy's hands. So I think that's an interesting point you bring up. I think there's a little bit of maybe fool's gold happening. The Packers defense is it's it's above average. It's solid. It's not great, um, but they can get some picks. They've got some good, you know. I mean, Jair Alexander's good. Amos is good, etc. Um, maybe because he saw the way the second half was going, he really thought, okay, doesn't forget all the Tom Brady stuff, you know, from the past. Like Tom Brady in the second half is terrible, right? So we've got this. Like we'll stop him for sure, type of thing. And the, the, the couple of things that they fail to realize is, first of all, all they needed is basically one first down, essentially. Um, and we can talk in a minute how smart that was for um, uh, Darius Smith to jump off sides and then how dumb it was that Arians accepted the penalty. He could have refused it and kept it at second and one. But <laughs> I was kind of thinking about that, though. It's like if he refuses it, then they just run the play over again and then the Packers jump again. In my head, I just started thinking of this scenario that lasts like, two and a half hours of the two coaches refusing to budge on that. Right. And so they need to real quickly, this is a tangent, but they need to make some rule changes on accepting or declining penalties that would benefit the defense. Um, and so they either need to say you can't decline it. So allow at this as something that defenses can do to help themselves or um, uh, 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 not have it allowed. Right. Not, I mean, it doesn't like there's a, yeah, yeah, exactly. Cause I mean, at that point you run, there was a legitimate risk if Arians declined that, that the Packers just keep jumping off sides. Like 
I don't know. That could have gotten out of hand real quick. In my yeah. Opinion. And then you start to get players get mad and then you yeah. might have, you might have some crazy like unsportsmanlike conduct that really puts you in a bind. Um, you never know what could happen on like that, you know, cause you got football players on the field and they, you know, they might do weird things. Um, so, okay. So we, we'll touch on the holding here for a second. So look, obviously it was holding everyone saw it, but my, you know, and this is, I think most people's take is, they let them play for 58 minutes on both sides. Receivers are getting mauled all over the field, left and right, and uh, both on the Packers and on the Buccaneers. Yes. Um, the interception that Rogers threw was pass interference against Lazard, not called. And I, by the way, I am totally fine with that. I mean, I think that's how it should be, actually. I would love to see them let them play, allow the defenses an opportunity to actually freaking play. All the rule changes have all been put in place that totally favor the offense. Give defenses a freaking chance. And there were still plenty of points scored. It's not, I mean, 31 to 26. I mean, yes. you know, right. So that's exactly, a, that's exactly. A, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised you're, you're, uh, you got this tone going on right now if it, based on the uh, telegram chat yesterday. Well, my problem, my problem then is what I was about to say, which is you can't make that call when you haven't called it all day. That's my yes. problem with it. Uh, you're, you're referring to the uh, pass interference at the end of the game. Well, so that's interesting that you say that they call the pass interference, but actually I believe he grabbed his jersey before the ball was thrown. They, they actually Absolutely. made the wrong call. It was call. definitely a holding. It was, yes, it definitely was. Right. So they made the wrong call. And if it, if it really was pass interference, then you could make the argument that it was uncatchable. There is no uncatchable rule for holding because the concept of holding is you might've prevented the guy from getting to the point where he'd be to be able to catch the ball. Exactly. Whereas, whereas exactly. pass interference is, a ball can be uncatchable because it's interfering with the ability to catch the ball where it's at. So they made the wrong call in the field by calling a PI. It was actually holding. And, and then if it's holding, then there is no uncatchability. If it's pass interference, then there is that theoretical uh, thing. So I, come on though. I mean, why do you, why, why do you do that? And then obviously it was really late. Yeah. I mean, yes. come so on. like in my head, I'm like, okay, it, it, you could kind of see it from, from the angle of the, um, the broadcast. So I, I was kind of yelling at my TV a little bit, but then in my head, I'm like, Oh, they haven't been calling it all day. Right. So I kind of calmed down and it, I had enough time to go through all these emotions in my head. And then the flag was thrown. <laughs> I could, I was like, okay, we're good. We're going to get the ball back. And then literally in the bottom of the, uh, screen like the real bottom bottom part of it all of a sudden i see this little yellow thing come out and i'm like is that a flag like tell me that's not and sure enough then the then the telecast had the flag uh symbol or icon go up in the bottom part of it with the score and i'm like you just gotta be kidding me like that my, my problem is again not that you call him he's obviously holding every still shot image showed it was holding and kevin king is a fucking piece of shit for i mean he's a nice person as a human being but i mean as a cornerback he needs to go i mean he gave up the first touchdown with the mistime jump he gave up the touchdown at halftime and he's the one that was called for that uh for that pi and i just yeah yeah you just cannot do that it was so blatant too like right. on those stills and on the slow motion replays he didn't I have mean, to do it in my opinion i don't think no, he would have gotten to yeah. the point at the spot of the the ball yeah but man that jersey was tugged two feet away from the yeah. man's body <laughs> yeah like... yeah i mean i if, if he would have just just kind of had his hand uh like up against his and elbow bent 
and not outstretched, it would have been fine. And I just don't know how you think the referees are not going to see that at that point in the game and let him try to catch the ball. I mean, if he catches it, fine. He makes a great play. Chalk it up to that. I think that's another coaching issue, in my opinion. You have got to tell everybody no penalties under any circumstance in third and fourth. No offsides. Yeah. Nothing. Because you're right. Like, there's a chance that Brady completes that ball. But, I mean, we all saw it. I mean, who knows how much the hold actually did, but he probably wasn't catching. I don't think he was catching. You'd much rather have a dude catch the ball than have a penalty on a questionable like catchable ball exactly and if you're if you're really subtle like i said if you have your just maybe his right arm just like touching his waist or something with his elbow bent and there's no that there's most likely no way they're going to call that that's a little different but to be that blatant about it what are you thinking like i I just i mean yeah you might have gotten away with it but probably the risk the risk benefit reward was not worth it And it's the same thing as him allowing the touchdown at the end of the first half like anyways at the end of the day like I, I just I still believe while yes, Brady played great in the first half. My issue with this is this is another situation of the Packers crapping the bed, coaching wise, especially at the worst possible time. And in my opinion, nothing explains one and four in NFC championship games. When you look at Rogers' numbers, nothing explains one and four in NFC championship games other than coaching. It's just it's it's bad coaching. And I just I just don't get it. And so um but okay, so let's move on to the let's move on to like you know the Super Bowl here. So after the Packers lost, I decided to start drinking. Uh, so I <laughs> didn't watch I didn't watch any of the uh, the Bills Chiefs game. Uh, the only thing I saw is Chief, or the Bills were up nine zero, and then of, of course the Chiefs came back. So you know it doesn't seem like any deficit faces the Chiefs at all. Uh, I mean they can just rack up points like it's no tomorrow. Even the Packers actually had the number one offense in the league. I still you still look at the chiefs and go, yeah, these guys can score at will. So my question is, so the chiefs, I believe are started out as minus three favorites. Yes. My question is, is what will it take since you're a Brady fan? What will it take for the Buccaneers to be able to beat the chiefs in the super bowl? Because I see this as a 10 point chiefs win. That's a good question. Uh, I mean, it was it was interesting because the game that was played earlier this year, I mean, it was a tale of two halves. You had the first half, I, this, the first quarter specifically, where they decided to single cover Tyreek Hill. And obviously that was crazy. And for whatever reason, Arians or, or the defensive coordinator or whoever was in charge of doing that decided to leave that guy one-on-one. And I think what, what did Hill go out? He, I think he had three touchdowns and 200 yards in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like that. It was crazy. It was crazy. So they go up, uh, they go up by uh, 21, something like that. And then obviously the bucks uh, changed on defense which is the first interesting point. And then they end up losing the game by, I believe, three. I believe the spread on that game was, was three and a half. And mm-hmm. I remember, because uh, I'm in a bunch of forums as far as sports betting goes, I remember people just freaking out that the Chiefs ended up not covering. Uh, so anyway, uh, that, game, that game has hope for a few reasons. One, 
that was still relatively early in the season. I believe it was about midway. Uh, for about the past six weeks, the Bucks have looked completely different than where they did uh, during their midseason form. They had that they had that run midseason where they got blown out by the Saints, uh, lost a few other games, and then something started clicking. It seemed like Brady got comfortable with their receivers, and I. Uh, they have looked really, really good on offense. So that's one thing that actually surprised me about the Bills is I'm not sold on the Chiefs' defense 100%. Uh, they looked amazing against the Bills, though. So that's a little bit scary because I don't think I don't think you can beat the Chiefs in a defensive battle. I think that's next impossible with that offense they have. So I think the best you have is to contain them which the Bucks showed they were capable of in that second half. And then you have to score on them, which the Bucks showed that they were capable of in that second half. And in my opinion, the way the Bucks offense has been looking as of late, I'm, I'm relatively confident. Mahomes, Mahomes is obviously scary. He, I mean, I'm a huge Brady fan, but talent-wise and with the weapons around him, he might be, he might go end up going down as the greatest of all time, especially if they yeah. win this and they can rattle off a few years in a row. If okay. they win this year, I just, I just don't see anybody that can, that can beat them. Well, no one has ever three-peated before. So <laughs> it's not the NBA. <laughs> it's really, really hard. Um, there's nine, I think Bill Simmons said on his pod yesterday that nine teams in the Super Bowl era have won back to back Super Bowls. Um, so it's happened nine times, but no one has obviously ever three-peated. Whereas in basketball, yeah. it's happened a couple of times. Um, so what are the keys for Tampa to win that game? Like, what would you say if you had to pick two or three? I mean, and, and don't say like, well, stop Mahomes, but, but be specific. If you were to say, hey, if the, if the Buccaneers do X, Y, and Z, they will for sure win. What would those three things be? Or two things. Um, I think the main thing is they just got to put up, like I said, I, the defense is not the chief's strong point. And so Brady is going to have to put up points because I mean, it's the super bowl. Uh, how many, how many points did the Chiefs score last year? Was it, did they end up scoring? I know it was in the thirties, right? Uh, I'll have to double check here. Let's just do Yeah, but I mean, in my opinion, I don't even think you could put Pat, stop Patrick Mahomes as a point to win because I literally don't think that you can do it. I think that's just something that like is kind of off the table. So I think Brady is going to have to come out and just be firing. He's going to have to be clicking with his receivers. And uh, along that note, I think a big point in success that's going to be is the drop balls for the Buccaneers have been pretty bad the last couple of weeks. Godwin, Godwin in specific. Uh, so I think they just need to have consistency on offense and uh, have their receivers catch the ball. I mean, resulting in points, obviously, but I think it's actually, I don't think we're going to be looking at a game like like the Patriots Rams where everyone kind of figured that was going to be high scoring based on the few games that happened that year between the Rams and the and the Chiefs and the and the Chiefs and the Patriots where they were all like in the in the 40s uh I don't see this one being a defense a defensive battle by any stretch of the imagination what are your thoughts on that yeah so I think you brought up a good point about the drop passes so one of the things with the Buccaneers 
is they are not efficient in any way, shape, or form on offense. They will look good for a drive or two, and then, like I said, shit the bed for the next three drives, drop passes, penalties, um, just weird plays or whatever that they don't finish things off. And I think that's just a, a symptom of, I mean, it might be a lot of things. One, it might just be, you know, the first year together, uh, might be maybe some coaching issues on the offensive side. It's also the fact that they are going for bombs on a regular basis. It's like they're hitting them. They're hitting them relatively at a decent pace. But also when you're throwing 20 yards down the field as much as they do, I think it's, it's just so hard to say consistent. I've been, I've been intrigued that they've kept going to that. Yeah, I, they did that in the Saints game. They didn't really do that yesterday. They only went for long shots when they kind of had to um, or when it was no loss to them, like at the end of the half, right? Um, but I think that's a – I think that's that doesn't work usually. You can do it once in a while to surprise a team, but it doesn't work usually. you got to move the chains in the NFL. And it's so easy to pick up two, three, four yards in the NFL nowadays. Um, there's no – if it's third and four or less, like throwing the ball deep really doesn't do a lot. And all it does is, well, all it does is stall drives, right? You got to take your chances going deep on first and second down, um, especially if you can play action. And um, if it's like, you know, second and short or something like that, right? Where you might actually legitimately run, you do play action. Uh, that can work out well. You got to put up points, obviously, as you said, against the Chiefs. And I think they have drive stall because you decide on third and three to bomb at 40 yards downfield. You just can't make those kind of decisions. You just, you've got to take the give me first down and then live to see another set of downs. Right. And it has the added benefit of keeping Mahomes on the sideline. I, the, the biggest problem with playing the chiefs uh, that they're going to face is like I said, you can get up. I mean, 10, nothing, 14, nothing, whatever. And I mean, the Packers, like I said, are the technically the number one uh, scoring offense in the league, but I mean, reality, the chiefs are really probably the most quote unquote explosive where they can take a 14 point deficit and I mean, cut that down in like, I mean, uh, you know, uh, five, six minutes. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, the bucks have been known to give up points quick too. I mean, they did it to the chiefs and yesterday I uh, was 16. Did they go up by 16 after that fumble? They went up by 18. It was 20. It was 18. Okay. It was 18. Yeah. Uh, even then, like by no means, I, I think I put that on telegram. Actually, you, you kind of put another like angry message on there. And I was like, <laughs> I think we were talking about Brady and uh, I was just like the, the Packers are going to make a run here. Like you just kind of had the feeling that they were. And of course, I mean, they were a third down stop away from having a game winning drive. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And like I said, I, 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 even though the Packers' offense in terms of points scored was the number one in the league, I still have to give the edge in terms of explosiveness, like pure explosiveness. To I the agree. Chiefs. I right. agree. That's that's why that's why I'm saying it's scary as a Bucks fan uh, with that. So I'm looking at the I'm looking at the line right now. Um, so it's moved to uh, minus three and a half. So I. Uh, I, when I, when I initially people are, people are, saw people are taking the chiefs. Yes. Yes, exactly. When I initially saw the line, I had been the past two weeks uh, against the saints and the Packers. I had actually been on the bucks money line. I thought those uh, spreads were, 
were, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I just figured uh, the bucks were going to get wins there. Uh, this one though, when it opened at three, I was considering going big on the chiefs mm-hmm. just because like, I don't know after the way they looked against Buffalo and the way that defense looked combined with the offense. Cause it's not like Buffalo's defense is bad by any means. And you can make a strong argument that Buffalo's defense is a lot better than Tampa Bay's, especially in that secondary. So when I see the three being a solid number for, I mean, even in a close game for a push, uh, I was considering going pretty big on that one, but three and a half. I don't know. I could see the game decided by a field goal. Yeah. I still think it should be four. I thought it would be four. Uh, I think four is the right number. Um, I actually think, I do think they win by 10, but I mean, obviously I would never uh, see a spread like that. I just, I just hey, go, go put some money on that alt spread, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> do a tease. I, I, I just think that, um, the problem with that is, of course, you have to worry about the back doors, right? I mean, you know, they could be up by 14 and, you know, uh, score another touch. Uh, the Buccaneers would score a touchdown. And, also, and the games. Chiefs, the Chiefs are the king of the back door. Uh, you mean covering themselves or no, teams no, covering against them? Having yeah. the other team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. There exactly. was some crazy stat the second, the second half of the season. Uh, they won, obviously, every game other than right. the one they, they never covered at all. But yeah, I think they maybe covered one game. Yeah, they barely covered. They had real issues covering uh, in the um, uh, in the second half of the season, especially. But, but also, also when you're as good as the Chiefs and they're giving you like like ten points, it's like I I mean you kind of just let off the gas in the regular season when you know you're going to win. So the backdoor covers don't necessarily surprise me, but the stat is crazy. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, too, is they would have blown the Browns out uh, and covered that one if Mahomes hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, let's be real. Yeah, and, yep, 100%. And also they missed a couple field goals and stuff like that. So I, I really just – I look, if somehow Brady pulled this off, this, in my opinion, would be his best win ever because I don't believe – I believe this is the toughest challenge he will have ever faced in a Super Bowl. Um, because of the talent on the other side of the ball. I mean, when you look at the other teams that he's played against, they've been talented in certain areas, but this is the first time that that entire team that he's going up against is like absurdly, absurdly talented. Yeah. And, maybe, uh, maybe outside of the Rams. Um, the Rams of two years ago. The, or three the, years no, ago. No, no, yeah. I'm talking, I'm talking the, the old school. Rams. Oh yeah. 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 Well, <sighs> So that offense, first of all, was not as good as the greatest show on turf. That's one thing. Um, they just weren't. Secondly, um, I think they had some real coaching deficiencies with Mike Marks. I don't think Mike Marks was a capable Super Bowl winning coach, um, whereas Andy Reid certainly is. And so I think from a well-roundedness standpoint, I do believe the Chiefs are the best team that the um, that the Prady's ever faced in the Super Bowl. I actually agree. I agree with you hundred percent. I think I don't know I, that that Mahomes offense with Hill and Kelsey, and then that their running game is not bad either. I think they're one of the best offenses of all time. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's the other part of this whole thing too, with the Packers, like the one thing that gives me a little solace is 
I think not that they couldn't beat the Chiefs. I think it would have been a tough task. And while certainly I'd rather go to the Super Bowl than not, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, it's about winning the championship. I think maybe over the next year or two, the Chiefs could get weaker just due to free agency, um, you know, uh, salary cap issues. You know, teams only have usually certain windows for these things. And so I guess maybe I'd have to say, it, I, I'd almost, if I'm going to try to go to the Super Bowl, I'd almost rather, because at some point the Bills are going to do it. Um, you know, maybe the Browns are going to do it. I just, uh, I, again, not that the Chiefs can't be beaten. I'd certainly rather have a crack at it than not. But um, there's no by no stretch of imagination was it like you know, any slam dunks that were going to beat them. I think, I think, I mean, you make those points and they're good, but I still think Mahomes is one of those dudes who's going to have a dominant offense no matter who's over there. Kind of like Brady did in New England. Like you had guys like, like Amendola. And I mean, it happened time and time again where a guy would be great with Brady and then pretty much awful on another team. I think you can make that same argument with, with Mahomes. And I think you'll start to see it in later years. And my, and I mean, this might be a really hot take, but I don't think uh, that Tyreek Hill is even close to as good without Mahomes. So I think that theoretically you're right, but you can't have total scrubs. Um, and if you do, you can still probably win like Brady did. But if you want to be like explosively win, uh, or explosively uh, amazing on offense and win kind of going away and hands down all the time, like the chiefs are and have been doing for last year. And this year, I, yeah. I think, you know, you don't want to lose, you don't want to lose something like Tyreek Hill. I mean, so I, I think I, I, well, I would agree with you and they'll they'd certainly be super bowl contenders without them. I think, I, I guess where I'm going with this is kind of what I was saying before. Like that's why three peeing is so hard. I mean, first we're giving them a super bowl. They haven't even won it yet. Um, but you know, let's say they do win this one. You know, I, I think the odds of them winning again next year are a total long shot. I, I just do. It's just the pressure becomes very difficult. You know, Andy Reid, in my opinion, is a great coach, but he's he's still prone to some you know weird mistakes in games, especially clock management wise or challenge wise. And so, yeah. you know, at some point that could rear its ugly head again. Um, you know, injuries happen, um, etc. I, I guess where I'm going with this is. You know, if the Packers are going to get to the Super Bowl, I would kind of maybe prefer for their opponents to not be the Chiefs, at least right now. Um, and so, you know, let's say, I don't know, let's say the Chiefs just have an off year next year or whatever, like I said, and they get, you know, eliminated in the NFC champ- AFC championship game and the Bills go instead. I mean, again, the Bills are good. I'm not saying they're not. I would sure as hell rather play the Bills than the Chiefs. Oh, and for so, sure. For yeah. sure. I don't think anybody wants the Chiefs right now. Exactly. And so when you think about it like that, like, I, I, again, I would rather have a crack at it than not. But, you know, everyone like, like Packer fans, for example, like going, oh, this was our chance that we blew for a championship. This was not, this is not the Super Bowl. There was still another game you have to play. And so, you know, if what happened yesterday had happened in the Super Bowl, that's a little, that's another different story. I think the bigger frustration as Packer fans is just one in four in NFC championship games for Rogers. And now yeah. zero and two, and now zero and two with Lafleur. And I actually like Lafleur as a coach. I think he's a hell of a lot better than McCarthy. McCarthy stunk. I mean, he had I so agree. many, so many issues. Um, so I think that's really what it is. Um, it's like it's it's really just the expectation of how far you go compared to the talent level is 
you know, is that if you go to the Super Bowl and lose, okay, fine. You know, you're best of the best and it's kind of a coin flip game or maybe even a 40, 60 game. Um, but number one seed at home at Lambeau. Yes. I know there weren't 80,000 fans there, but there were enough to make some noise to make it somewhat difficult. Um, they were plenty loud, uh, you know, and so it's kind of the whole no excuses thing is kind of where I land with this that, you know, if that's what, if that's what your talent is, you should at least be going to this place. Um, and, you know, preferably winning it, but at least getting there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that for sure. What so, are your thoughts? So what are, are your thoughts? go ahead. No, I was going to say, so are you going to put, uh, are you going to put a, a good chunk of change on the chiefs to win? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know. The half, the half honestly worries me. I, I think the chiefs win um, as much as I hate to say it. I think, I just think that offense is too good um and too explosive like and i think you're right i could see it being a blowout too you never know you never know in the super bowl but i uh, yeah the half the half just scares me from feeling safe i still might uh i'm looking at the over under right now uh it's at 56 oh that's high yeah yeah it's it's really high but at the same time like i said i don't think either of these defenses are that good and i uh, i mean i could see it I could see it being a high scoring game. Yes, I could see it being a high scoring game. I think that I, but I, I see if it's a high scoring game, I think it's only a high scoring. I think it only covers the over in like maybe by three points, maybe four. Um, and, you know, the, the bookmakers know that most people bet on the over for the Super Bowl. So you're already paying a bit of a handicap uh, or a bit of a price to take the over. Uh, when it comes to that and they know that so you got to be careful of that there's probably an extra three or four points maybe even five baked into that over number it probably should be closer to like yeah 52. yeah and i mean at the same time the bucks defense hasn't looked as bad as they have uh the past two weeks um the last the last game was 51 the chiefs won 27 24 yeah and so i i think i actually think that you know, you should, you, should use, you should use the Packer game as a proxy, right? So if you use the Packer game as a proxy, um, you're not going to get another, in my opinion, another touchdown like that you did at the end of the first half. That one's gone off the board. So now you're at 24 points. Um, I think realistically, um, I think maybe one touchdown gets swapped out for a field goal. So now you're at 20. Now, can you make up an extra four to seven points in some other way? by not having Brady throw three interceptions in the second half. Yeah, maybe, maybe he throws one interception. Now you got an extra touch on that way. So now you're at 27. So where do you think the chiefs are going to be? Do you think they're going to score more or less than 27? In other words, like what's the magic number to win this game? I think the magic number that you got to get to to win this game is 34. I think the bucks are going to struggle to get to 34. I think they get to 27 max, probably closer to 23 or 24. Um, that's the issue I have. Um, and if by some miracle chance, the Buccaneers can hold the chiefs, uh, to 27, then maybe, maybe they have a chance, but I think that's the real problem is you get, you gotta, gotta go through that exercise, right? What is the number it's going to take for the Buccaneers to win this game? And if you say yeah. the, that number is 31, um, or maybe even 34, how do they get to that 31 or 34? Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at last year too. Uh, 
final score of the Super Bowl is 31 to 20. Yeah, 31 20. Yeah, exactly. So say 31. I'll, I'll be I'll be kind and say 31. 31 is sent to overtime, okay? So how do you get to 31 points is really the question you have to ask yourself. You got to 31 points against the Packers. And that, the interesting thing is like, so you got an extra touchdown at the end of the first half. I do think one of those touchdowns that King gave up uh, besides that maybe is a field goal instead. So it's another four points down. So now you're down to 20. But again, maybe you add another touchdown back in for a play that uh, for one for a couple of interceptions that Brady wouldn't have. Uh, so now you're at um, 27. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just. Uh... Yeah, you uh, I mean, that's the thing. I, I think I might I think the under might be the bet like going through all this. I'm looking at the Super Bowl last year, the scoring summary. Um, I had forgotten this, but Damian Williams took a 38-yard run with a minute left as they're killing clock. Right. And, and that's the other part of it, too, is, you know, if the Buccaneer strategy is to go in and melt clock so that Mahomes doesn't get the ball as much. Um, now, they don't, the Buccaneers don't tend to do that because, like you said, they, they throw a lot of deep balls. So I don't know if that will be a, a change in strategy for them. Yeah. Um, so that could be something that makes it a little scoring or just if it's a close game, um, if it's a normal game, you know, the defenses might play a little bit tighter and stuff like that too. You tend to get the really high, high scoring games when, you know, there's a, a big point spread difference in terms of what the score is. Uh, not always. I mean, you can definitely get sh- good old fashioned shootouts. I just don't see these two defenses being like that. I don't know. So anyways, I, I, I do believe it's kind of the 34-24 type of range um, in this game, it feels like. So that would technically put it over, but that's so darn close. I mean, one less field goal. And you, and- yeah, yeah. It, uh, I mean, it's just that the Bucks defense is so bad that I think it's going to be a shootout. I mean, I'm looking at their scores. You have Washington putting up 23 on them. Uh, the Packers, that game was 31-26 yesterday. Um, I don't I think, know. I don't I think know. So, I think do- I think so bad is a is a bit of a uh, that's a bit a little bit too much. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, and actually, their their front um, their front seven are really good. I uh, I think their secondary is extremely. Oh, their, se- their secondary is bad. Yeah, even though uh, there's a few guys who have been playing pretty good the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And the problem is there is Mahomes can exploit that because they can do rollouts, run pass options, throw the ball deep. I mean, they can just literally do like, you know, quick slants over the middle that, you know, and the Packers could have done that too. I just don't, I just, I just think they didn't execute on some things uh, offensively. Well, yeah. A couple of things offensively in the red zone that cost them. Um, and the Packers had the number one red zone offense in the NFL. They had converted coming into this 48 out of 60, red zone uh trips Touchdowns. i mean 80 <laughs> percent. yeah so um so i mean you know the fact that they came away two field goals on two critical trips into the, yeah, the red that's zone true. that's true then their ability to stop the run game is going to be big and uh murphy bunting he's the one who's been coming on the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. yeah uh, i don't know i just maybe 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 there's a way to get some pressure on Mahomes that, you know, um, we're not seeing, but I, I, I have to say, I like the minus three and a half. That's actually what I like better. I think it's tough to judge the over under on this one. I could see the over under going either way, but if you take off your Tom Brady hat for a second, I I'm totally neutral party in this. I don't give a, <laughs> I, I don't give a shit at this point who wins or loses this game. Um, 
I would have to say that while of course the of course the Buccaneers can cover, I give I give the Chiefs a solid 70%, 75% chance to cover even three and a half. I because if I think it's four, then obviously three and a half is is a is a good deal. Um I just uh but you're right, of course there could be a I mean there could be a back recover, they could be up by 10, Buccaneers could score, you know, a touchdown in the last you know, a few minutes. Um, you feel a lot more comfortable with minus three. I still think you can get some pretty good. I still think you get pretty good value at minus three and a half. I think that's a still a pretty solid bet. And if you want to, if you're willing to risk, if you're willing to risk, you know, much higher money, uh, I, I think then just taking the Chiefs money line is is good too. Yeah, Chiefs money line. That's not a that's not a bad bet for sure. What is that at right now? I, I I was I was wanting to put a lot of money on this side on the on the money line for this Packers game. To be honest. What is the Chiefs uh, Buccaneers uh, money line? I haven't even looked. Let's see, I can take a Chiefs look here. Money line. It is minus one seventy-two. Okay. Plus one fifty-two for the Bucks. That's not too bad. I think it was like plus one sixty for the uh, for the Packers game, even though it was still three and a half. Yeah, probably because of the home field advantage. Um. What are your thoughts on that? Are they, I haven't even heard, are, how many people are they letting into the stadium? Because it's technically a home game for the Bucks. No, it's not a home game. The, the, each team gets half the tickets. <laughs> of, of course, of course. But it's I mean, the, you're it's talking the, it's about. Not, it's not technically a home game. It's theoretically a home game. <laughs> it's theoretically, yeah. But I mean, I think a lot's to be said of being able to spend those two weeks at your house in the same practice facilities that you're usually in. And uh, like, I, I don't know. I think there's something to be said for comfort in those. Uh, and I, we've never seen it before. So I don't know if there is something to be said, but I think it's an intriguing guy. Uh, it obviously of- can't hurt, but I don't think it'll be any kind of advantage like anybody's thinking about. I mean, certainly from a crowd noise perspective, it's not going to be a problem. Um, I think they're going to allow 15 or 20,000 fans in the game. I mean, Florida has been wide open for a long time. So um, the, the, you know, I think, I think 20 is about the number. That they're going to allow, and they would obviously give half the tickets to Chiefs uh, organization and half to the Buccaneers, so that's not really going to be a problem. First, sure, um, sure. yeah, um, yeah, it's nice not to have to travel, but I think from COVID protocols this year, they're not doing all the media day stuff. So because of that, I don't think the Chiefs are actually arriving there till really late towards years. So they're they're uh, not going to be like, okay. They're not going to yeah. be sitting in hotels for that long. Maybe a couple of days. That makes sense. That makes but, sense. But. No, it should be a good game. Should be a good game. All right. So let's do a, a little NBA snippet and then we'll wrap up here. So, um, so first of all, um, I would have liked for them to just wait until January to start. I love the 72 game season. I think turning around and starting at Christmas, uh, which is basically two and a half months or so after the finals ended, was a little bit too short of a turnaround. I would really like to see that be three and a half yeah, months. Yeah, it was, it was crazy for those teams in the bubble. You're right. Well, and, and not just that, not, I mean, I'm talking about like teams that uh, went deep into the bubble, right? I mean, for the teams in the finals, the Lakers and the heat, they basically ended early October. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So anyways, um, I, I, I love the 72 game season though. I think that is absolute winning way to go. Um, in fact, I'd like to see them get it down to probably about 70 games. So maybe shave a couple more. I'm saying going forward permanently. So 72 games is perfect. There's already still going to be load management, even with that. Um, I'm totally good with that. I've been advocating forever 
for a playoff format switch that I think would bring more meaning to the regular season. Cause I think that's a huge problem right now for the NBA. And I know money talks in terms of luxury suites and all this other stuff, but you know, you gotta, you gotta make the games matter. And so I would like to see them adopt something similar to the uh, NFL format where they take it to six or seven teams, give the first team first or second seed team a buy um, maybe do a play in tournament for the last seed or two um something the playing to make... game the the playing game this past playoffs was yeah. actually really exciting exactly exactly but the problem is right now since so many teams make the playoffs and then if you throw in the element i think there's gonna be crowds by april or may so we're not i this is a little bit uh i'm getting ahead of myself here but i mean right now there's no crowds or very few um so the the home court thing doesn't really matter uh at all although teams are actually surprisingly playing a lot better at home if you look at the home records than they are on the road. So there's, I guess that still travel element that matters to playing at home versus on the road. Um, but nonetheless, like I, I just, I, my problem, my one issue with the NBA regular season and why you see these teams doing all this freaking load management is simply because of each game just not mattering as much. Who cares if you get the second seed or the third seed or the fourth seed or whatever it might be. I mean, you know, it's all going to come down to matchups in the playoffs anyway. So uh, I, I think they need to make some changes and, uh, you know, I've had a few ideas for what that looks like, but curious of your thoughts on the regular season. And we'll just dive into a couple teams real quick. Uh, on the NBA regular season, just in general. Yeah. I agree with you. I, I mean, for the past couple of years, to be honest, I've watched playoff games. I, uh, unless I have money on a game. <laughs> now sure. there's the difference maker. Money on a game will make anything exciting. Uh, but when I don't have money on a game, I have no interest, no interest in the regular season. Yet I find myself every Sunday sitting down and watching the red zone and watching almost every play in the NFL. It's just, you're right about the meaning. It's like, I, I'm, I actually, when you said we were talking about the NBA, I pulled up the standings and I'm like, even my team, the jazz, I'm like, man, they're, they're 12 and four. I haven't even pay, been paying attention because I just don't care about the regular season. And, and I agree with you. Something needs to change there because the majority of people I talk to feel the same way. Right. And if you don't care about the regular season, then it just makes the playoffs feel less important, which then makes the entire, you know, just league less valuable, I think. And look, I mean, we want to feel like our, our seasons matter. We want to feel like our championships matter. And, um, and I, I think again, the whole no fans in the NBA even makes the regular season worse because, you know, then you're really just purely watching basketball. You're not watching kind of all the drama unfold in front of a live audience. Um, and so I think they need to shave a couple more games off, shave a few playoff teams off. I know they're going to scream bloody murder because of the fact that they're not getting as many teams in and less, and less revenue uh, on playoff revenue, but maybe you'll not, maybe you will make that up in my opinion during the regular season. If it's harder to make the playoffs. I mean, it's just, it's just more than half the teams make the playoffs and you don't even have to be that good. Um, and these one versus eight and two versus seven and even three versus six matchups in the first round of playoffs are just awful. I mean, they're awful. They're almost always sweeps or, you know, winning five. Uh, I just don't, it's not entertaining. And so, uh, I mean, one of the reasons that I, in my opinion that the NFL is so successful in addition to the fact that, you know, just the way it's played is uh, awesome to watch is just the whole format of everything is just so well done. I mean, the regular season matters. 
because it matters a lot because you don't play a lot of games. And then, um, you know, the, the whole buy situation going on the road, who you play, um, and just all the things that are done or set up, uh, to, to really, you know, make it interesting and exciting are, are in place. And so, yeah, I hope, I hope the NBA kind of figures something out here, but, um, I'm not sure if they will just cause you know, money talks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see, I don't see much changing anytime soon. Yeah. Well, that means hopefully the playoffs get here soon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I've been betting on the NBA, uh, so, and it's been okay, but man, with the COVID protocols, it, it it's been inconsistent. Yeah. You can't bet. You can't bet on it because teams will sit out players last second for load management or they'll get, uh, removed because of COVID reasons. Yes, uh, all this exactly. Stuff. And if you are betting on it, it's not one of those sports like the NFL where you can put a bet on, on Saturday and, and like feel pretty good about where things are going to be. It's like, no, you're not, if you're betting before five minutes before the game start, yeah, the team that steps on the court could look a lot different than what you bet on. <laughs> like literally these teams are making decisions on who to sit and stuff like 10 minutes before the game. Yeah, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. I, I've actually gotten to the point I started off the season pretty hot and uh, <laughs> I went on a really bad run uh, for like a week or two. And at this point, the NBA is taboo for me. It's done. I'm, I'm on college basketball right now and minimally the NFL. The NFL, the, uh, the bookmakers are too good. Um, so that yeah. the NFL gets hard to get consistent on. Uh, college basketball has been my little uh, breadwinner this year. Yeah, the NFL, the bookmakers got that down to a science. That's 100% yeah, true. They are, 100% they are true. way too good. Way too good. Um, 100%. And the NBA, it's a crapshoot because of what you just said. It's like, well, freaking A. I mean, I put money on, I don't know, bucks minus nine and a half, and boom, uh, Giannis and Middleton are sitting for load management or something. Well, <laughs> now you're, you're screwed. Or, you know, uh, half the nets are out due to COVID. <laughs> So yes, well, yeah, I, I know it's crazy. It's crazy. Anybody who's betting on the NBA right now, in my opinion, is nuts. Uh, outside of maybe the people, and this is, I don't know, maybe I should start looking into this. The people who are waiting for the last second news and catching a really good line that's about to move a lot because of it. Yeah, the one issue there is um you'll only be able to do that a couple of times, and then eventually the bookmakers catch on. Um, or the, you just get banned or, you know, whatever it might be, because, you know, they're not going to, they, they don't like things like, you know, that they don't like that. Uh, they, you know, if you're betting for real, they're okay with it. But if you're trying to like snipe stuff or catch steam or whatever it might be, they're going to, they're going to sniff that stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So, but man, it, I mean, it's, it's nice. There's, there's a lot of stuff to bet on right now. And the betting world is great. Um, so, I mean, so you're focused on college basketball. How's that been going? It's been going great. It's been going great. I've, I've so got why do you think that is? Do you think it's because bookmakers have a real tough time with those lines? I'm just curious to get your thoughts on because I've heard know, that from a few other people. I think so. I think so. Uh, so I, uh, I've been using a model, um, in conjunction with a few other things. Mm -hmm. And what it tends to be is the model will spit out, um, it will spit out games 
and the line, the, like the predicted lines uh, that the model thinks. And I, I've been using it for a while and it's been really accurate. So typically it's going to be spitting out these really, really uh, small schools. Like a game, a game I bet on last week was, uh, was Quinnipiac against mm-hmm. a school that I honestly couldn't tell you. And so I think, I don't know. I, I obviously the numbers are there for like Vegas's models, but at the same time, like if you can get it, if you can get something accurate, I do think that a lot of times the lines aren't as tight. I mean, you think about the NFL, uh, a major portion of the world's betting is dumping in on the NFL. So it makes sense that they have their best dudes, their tightest algorithms, uh, their best bookmakers sitting in and, and giving those NFL lines every week. Uh, but when it comes to low class college basketball, it's like, there's not a ton of money going in on those games. There's not a ton. And so I think, I think it is the best opportunity to make money. At least for me this year, it has, I'm probably up a few grand this year. I mean, which isn't anything like crazy, but it's, it's positive and anything positive when you're betting in my opinion is good. Uh, but college basketball has almost seemed too easy this year. Like I'm looking at these lines and what the other, like the other ways that I use to, to place my bets. And when everything adds up, I'm probably hitting, I'm probably hitting about seven out of 10 right now. Yeah. I've heard that too. And I, I think it's only a matter of time before the bookmakers catch up to that. Um, simply because, you know, there's so much more money coming into sports betting in general that, you know, it's just the efficient market hypothesis, right? You know, markets eventually become efficient over time. Um, so if there's arbitrage opportunities in the initial early days, those go away after a certain amount of time, just because more and more people take advantage of them Thus, they get countered by the, in this case, the bookmakers, and uh, it evens itself out, right? So I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you may very well um, have a limited window to nail that. Maybe maybe another season or two. Um, just again, as more and more people get into sports betting and they see what you see. I mean, it's just, because you're not the only person that's told me this. I don't bet on college basketball, but um, it's definitely been something that people have said or they'll just start pulling the lines all together just won't offer them right yeah yeah i think uh i think college lines in general are are the best i i did decent in college football this year too like i think that's harder though than college basketball i think college football has a little bit more uh rhyming reason to it uh there's a little bit more consistency to the outcomes uh or they're they're equally as inconsistent i should say it's the best way to say it uh whereas um college basketball it's just all over the freaking map and it's, it's just tough for anybody to know what's going on yeah yeah that's true too there were there were some there were some juicy lines this year though in in college football that i went pretty big on mm-hmm. and i uh, hit most of them like when i see something like I, and there's also i also have another theory when something looks too good to be true it almost always is <laughs> like I've gotten to the point where now if I look at a line and I'm like, Oh, there's no way the line should be there. I'll take, I'll take the opposite of my initial thought on that. And it's been hitting just, I, I, I don't know what it is about Vegas, but they're too good. So you cut, you counter bet your own self. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if it seems too good to be true only then if, if I think that a team is going to like, I think the line looks good, but sometimes I'll see a line and I'm like, Oh man, 
I should put like $10,000 on this game. When I think that I'm like, okay, I'm going to bet the opposite on this <laughs> and, and go a lot less money. <laughs> well, I remember back in our trading days, it was like, there were certain people that were so bad at trading. Like you would just counter trade them and you'd like do really what well, you could do really well in that. And I, I, it's probably the same thing, right? Is if you know that they're offering something super, super, super juicy, they probably know something that you don't. And yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it happens all the time in the NFL. Like sometimes in the NFL, it'll be like, like just a line where you're like, Oh man, this, this can't be right. And whichever way you're leaning, the, the, the way that seems obvious, the NFL is almost always hitting the opposite. It's almost like Vegas. And I think I actually do believe they do this. It, it, like they know something you don't, but they know what the majority of fans and betters minds think. Yeah. And so they're going to give you this juicy line that everybody's going to jump on, even though all of their info is telling them it's going to go the other direction. And so they're trying to make it look as good as possible to get all the action. So when I see stuff like that now, I used to jump on it, but that has burnt me so many times that I, I am done with the too good to be true lines. Right. Right. Well, that's kind of what I was saying before about the fact that like, you know, the, the over-unders can be inflated, especially for things like Super Bowl or other big events where people love to bet the over and yeah. they get a lot of action on. So they know that. So they inflated an extra few points because of that. And so the sharps know better to, you know, in that case, you know, go under um, type of thing. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting that psychology, like we've had a lot of data guys on the podcast in the last year. And one of the things that I kind of a little bit, I mean, so it's great that they're using data and numbers and everything to, um, to, you know, to, to outperform quote unquote the market. My take those I mentioned before is the efficient market kind of hypothesis is that eventually markets become more efficient and data becomes this ubiquitous thing. So then it really comes down to not the data aspect of it, but really how you interpret or analyze that data. Um, and I do believe, I do believe for all sports, numbers are just going to keep getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And I, th I think from a purely like trying to make money perspective on sports betting, I just think it's going to become harder and harder and harder. Like it's going to, it's going to become more of an entertainment factor. Um, not, I mean, there'll still be a few of course sharps or people that can uh, do well in the long run. Um, but it's, I, I think it will get harder. Like I, I, I eventually wouldn't be surprised if college basketball was as tight as the NFL. It would not surprise me in the least, not, not right now overnight, but yes. in, in two, three, four years, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it were. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually <laughs> looking up a, uh, a few, uh, so I'm looking at my model. So the picks that I would have made today, uh, like I usually like to go the top three, make it an odd number of bets so that I, I don't like break even and lose juice. I, uh, I, I would have gone zero and three today <laughs> in college basketball. So I'm glad. I'm glad this was a day off. But uh, no, you're <laughs> right. You're right. I mean, Vegas is too good. They're too good at what they do. Like obviously, they have to be. It's what all their money comes from. But man, it is. It is. Tough. But the money isn't that much made on sports betting. So like that's the thing that's a misnomer. Like everyone thinks they make tons and tons of money. The 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 real true rake is in the six and a half to seven and a half percent range. Um, so now where they really make their money is on parlays and futures. 
that's where they really make yes, money. Par- parlays of futures are huge. In, in yes. fact, yeah, I've seen it. And I've, I've seen like, like there's games where Vegas actually loses a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And I mean, in theory, it would even out other than the fact that a lot of people are betting futures, losing a lot of money. And a lot of people are doing parlays, which, yeah, which is crazy. I mean, I, I can see being a profitable, profitable better in the long term if you're, if you're smart uh, with your like bankroll and uh, and you just don't get emotional because the like, issue I, that you have to worry about then is getting banned because if you make money in the long run uh, or they'll just reduce your they'll just reduce your liquidity right um, I mean books are getting really tight about that now because they have to um, because there are legitimately folks that really do win you know a significant amount of the time and they're just not going to keep that business there's nothing else to say about it no. Yeah. And then, I mean, I guess that person could still jump from book to book until they're banned from everything, but yeah. Hey, what are you, what are you going to do about that, Mark? So with Zen sports, it's really interesting. I mean, we do, you know, we do market maker own bets. We obviously have peer to peer. So, you know, we are trying to drive up the peer to peer number as much as possible. Um, I mean, that's the thing that removes that risk from our plate, which is obviously the goal. Um, at the same time, we still have to fill the marketplace with our own bats. That's just, that's all there is to it. Um, otherwise you, come you in have and, to, you have yeah, to, because yeah, there's yeah. gotta be, there's gotta be action for people. It's gotta be supply. Think. Yeah, exactly. Yes. If you come in and don't see any bats, you'd be like, this sucks. I'm out. So, um, so we do, um, my take is, you know, we have some sharps that flow through our app. Uh, and that's also not great for even the peer to peer piece, right? Cause if people always feel they're losing to the same folks, you know, that's not great, but, um, our take is up to this point, been hands off. Maybe at some point we'll revisit that policy. Um, it hasn't really been an issue for us too much. Um, so we've just really not worried about it. Maybe as we grow, that'll become more of a thing. I mean, look, the reality is, is that, you know, um, the, the way that sports books, sports betting companies, and, and even casinos and gaming companies in general, they look at themselves. I mean, they got to make money, right? At the end of the day. I mean, they're not in it to give away money. They're not, they're not ATMs. Uh, they have to make money. And so, you know, they're, they're not going to take losing business. I think where the difference, I think where the issue comes is where they, where maybe kind of sharper folks feel like they're not even given a chance to place any bets and maybe even ones that might have a harder advantage. And it's just kind of this blanket. You can or can't do this type of thing um, versus being more nuanced about it. Um, I think nuance is the key. I think giving everybody a chance to do some stuff is important. So, okay, maybe, maybe they won't let you bet on uh, college basketball anymore because you're too good. Okay. You can bet on everything else. Right. And so you're not happy about yeah, that. And I think, I think that's uh, I think that's one issue that Zen sports solves is, I mean, in theory, the bigger it gets, uh, the less and less you're going to have to provide your own, market maker and right i mean these guys who are hitting can go place their own bets at their own odds and if somebody's willing to take it then they do or they just wait for somebody else to do it but it doesn't matter to you or to zen sports whether that person wins or loses right because it's it's not i mean that's what it comes down to it's peer-to-peer money and that's that's kind of the concept behind it so i mean yeah, no, comp- end up being a place where a lot of people flock. Totally. And so that's of one of our goals is to drive that peer to peer number up, 
as much as possible. The, the percentage of bets that are accepted peer to peer. Um, that's a really kind of critical factor or, or metric for us is driving that up. Um, and so it, it definitely, I agree that it's going to get there. It's never going to be a hundred percent there, but the more it can be peer to peer, um, truly peer to peer is, is really, is really what you strive for. The only slight issue is, um, I, it, it sometimes could be this, become this little bit of a problematic, like back and forth negotiation, like, Oh, I'll give you this. If you give me that, no, no, no I'll do this. If you do that, I'll do this. And like, you know, I mean, it's like 10, things back and forth before you can settle on something, you know, that has to be uh, worked out uh, as well too. Um, right now we don't do proposals or counter proposals, excuse me. Um, so if you see like somebody's line at minus three, you can't counter propose and say, I'll give it to you at, um, you know, minus three and a half. We will eventually add that. But that is a really good feature. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because then that way you can- Because then, I mean, when you're talking peer-to-peer, -peer, that becomes like a true peer-to-peer. -peer. It's like, okay, maybe you place a bet and it's like, okay, this person, like you're not getting any action on it, but somebody will be able to come in and say, okay, I see you're on this team. Like, let's try to work something out. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's the mechanic that we want to eventually add as well, because we don't do that right now at all. And I think that will make the peer-to-peer -peer piece like even more exciting. Um, and also mm. convert more uh, to the peer-to-peer -peer if they know they can have um, a back and forth on that uh, to settle on what they want. Whereas right now, it's either you see what you like and you accept it, or you have to create your own. Um, so I definitely agree that the counterpart or the counter proposal part is definitely a feature that's coming later this year at some point. I mean, we we still don't have parlays. We're going to be adding parlays at some point. Parlays is tough to do peer-to-peer -peer, um, because it has to be like you know all of them, right? So that's a little bit tougher to do peer to peer. We we're going to have to start yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Peer to peer parlays. It's like, I mean, you got to get pretty specific on that. But yeah. We're going to have to start that as Zen sports only offered parlays yes. and then eventually migrate into some type of peer to peer model for that. Um, yeah. And then, then it will be like, somebody needs to be able to go and build their parlay. And then I, I don't know, like Zen sports will obviously have to like take the risk on that parlay, but I mean, are you guys, are you guys planning on putting? Yeah. What it, would, what it would be is something to the effect of um, we'd have a separate room in the app for parlays. Um, so you could create your own parlay and then people could come in and accept the whole boat on that. Um, they could be the opposite side of that. So that's really what it would come down to, or we can kind of mix and match, although that's a little bit tougher. So we'll start as Zen Sports only parlays because that's easier. Um, but then we will migrate into um, offering like a separate room where people can offer parlays um, and then people can just take the opposite side of it. So for example, if you wanted to create a parlay that you want to take the Chiefs minus <laughs> three and a half and, and over in that game. Yeah. I mean, yeah. hey, thinking about it, I'm not, I'm not necessarily a believer in parlays. I did see a guy hit like an 11 legger for like 100K the other day. But <laughs> I mean, if there was a room to accept parlays and people were throwing stuff out, man, I'm probably living in that room accepting. Well, those. we would like it because it's a good <laughs> moneymaker uh, from a percentage fee perspective. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. If it's peer to peer, I'm taking those bets all day. Yeah. 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 And so that's from our perspective. We want to be able to offer it. Plus, people love it. I mean, it's fun, it's, it's entertaining. So we definitely want to be able to offer that. We just haven't done that up to this point. Um, and, you know, people are migrating almost entirely away from features. So like we get very few feature, very little features actions, which is fine. Like, you know, people are almost entirely betting on, uh, you know, pre-match, 
in-game and parlays. And so right now we're just really primarily focused on that pregame. Live aspect. betting is live betting is huge. Yeah, the the tough part about that is latency. That's the one issue though. So yeah. I mean, you can get into the whole, um, oh, I don't know, uh, you know, whatever's going to happen in the last five minutes of the game. You know, at the start of the fourth quarter, you could do a bet like that. But if you're trying to do things like the very next play. I mean, you really run into issues of people getting the information for others. No, yeah, with peer-to-peer, I, I don't see that being a thing, but I could see like, okay, like it's halftime. Let's get a second half live bet in. End of the third quarter, we can bet, uh, live bet the fourth. Uh, also, like, I mean, there's the potential to throw it in on like timeouts and stuff. But yeah, the next the next play stuff, I think the latency is, is going to be too big, at least unless something drastic happens with the ability to place the bets. Well, that's what needs to happen, right? I mean, there, there needs to actually be a improvement in the, um, in the actual like data feed, right? There needs to be an improvement in how quickly you can get access to that uh, data. Um, and the, the, the tr- just like, you know, in trading world, right? They've built those microfiber cables. I don't know what they're called to like get the information, the trade in like a millisecond faster. Uh, than somebody else it'll have to be something like that where they can get the information that quickly so that if you're watching the game in person or you're in a a pub in london it doesn't matter you're basically getting it real real time i mean as real time as it can be yeah yeah for sure but that's that's tough yeah it's 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 a a tough it's a tough problem to solve for yeah, no, it's incredibly hard. It's incredibly hard. There's, I, I don't know. I think the, uh, I think the potential with Zen Sports right now is looking really, really good. I've, uh, yeah, during the playoffs, I, I've like found a few things that I like about it, and it, I mean, it's only getting better. Yeah, I mean, we've launched a ton of amazing stuff. I mean, for our product in the last, I mean, year. I mean, we're constantly rolling out new things, and we're, you know, we launched a web app last week. Uh, so if you don't want to download an app, you can just access our product from mobile web. I mean, we've just done a lot of, of course, other cool things. So uh, super excited for us. And we're just, I mean, we're really excited to be entering the U.S. market. So we're working on our U.S. licenses now, our, our state licenses, hoping to be in Nevada and Colorado this year. Uh, Nevada by summertime and Colorado probably by football season. Um, so, uh, and then maybe Tennessee as well, too. So, yeah, we're uh, just Really excited and uh, it's awesome. Very quickly, I know we've been going on here for a while, so just want to get your quick hot take on the crypto markets. Obviously, in a big bull run, I think there's going to be personally a retracement back. Uh, I don't there know to what level because, because yeah, because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not actively trading, so I don't follow it. But it, I mean, there's got to be. It was just, I mean, to to go up basically 13x in 12 in 10 months is, I mean, that's just that's a little unheard of. I mean, and we, we were a part of it. It's down, uh, it's down 13% the last seven days. Uh, yeah. I I've been, uh, like once it hit 40, like I had a lot of friends who were about to jump in and I was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Cause they were like, Oh, it's going to hit X, X and X. I was like, I, I've been in your shoes before. Uh, <laughs> I think, I, yeah. I think that it, uh, it retraces back to, uh, like, anywhere from 12 to 15,000 and then sits for a while again, like it did last time. And then I think you see another, another right. I'm thinking 12, 12 to 15,000. What are your thoughts? I think, that's, I think that's about right. I mean, I, I don't have a TA uh, technical analysis on that or a chart on that, but it feels like that was really kind of the last, uh, you know, um, 
point of resistance. So that's like really kind of the biggest area of support is at 12 to 15 K range. Yeah. So I could easily see a retracement back to that. Uh, I think 8K is a little too low, um, but 12 to 15 does sound about right. Uh, that, that looks and feels like, uh, you know, again, when it cracked that number, then it really started to take off, which, you know, that was a barrier as far as resistance goes. So I think, I think that's a big area of support. So I think it would, you know, probably bounce off that, but I'm not, I'm not, don't take this as financial advice because I am not trading at all. I don't have time for that. <laughs> no, yeah. Where it's at right now, where it's at right now, I, I, uh, when it was down around 5K about a year ago, I was, uh, I was really big in on it then. Uh, but now, like, if, if anybody's listening, well, yeah, I guess I'm not the one for financial advice, but there is no way in hell I would currently jump in. Yeah. I mean, 30 to 40K is, is just too pricey. I mean, now, if you're truly, truly looking to hold long, long term and you don't care at all about day trading or swing trading, probably okay. But I, I would agree. I, I, yeah, I think it, at the same time, though, I think I think we see a time in the next couple months where at the at the very minimum, it hits 20K. So like if you're looking to long term hold, like I don't even think now is the time to do it. Give it a chance to, to correct itself a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and there's so many other investment opportunities that are out there right now, uh, both private and public markets that you, there's just no reason to like, I mean, you know, jump in when things are, you know, frothy. Um, yes. I mean, it's yes. like, wait until, wait until there's a retracement um, and, and then jump in. And so, yeah, I, I have a million percent agree with you. I, I, I don't think buying 30K Bitcoin right now makes a ton of sense. No. And, and, and for all of them. In fact, if I was in anything, Currently, I would I would be running for my dear life. I'd be I'd be cashing out right now and waiting. Yeah, especially no, no, no. the alts. I'm looking right now. A lot of the alts are getting smacked. Yeah, I can zoom pretty and well. I though. think they start to get harder too. What's that? I said I can zoom pretty well. ICX is doing pretty well lately. Yeah, yeah. I uh, where is ICX in the uh, standings right now? Um. Well, they're at about 84 cents. Um, I mean, they're up quite a bit over the last month and a half, two months. Uh, it's definitely more than doubled. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Um, I mean, probably wait for a retracement, you know, let things cool down a little bit. Um, but then, I mean, but long-term, long-term wise, super, super, super bullish on crypto. I mean, you're just seeing so many more real world applications for crypto that you weren't seeing. Um, you know, even just a year, year and a half ago. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I think is so exciting about it. I agree. I agree. I think it's going to keep getting better. So I still like based on where everything's at right now, I'm still definitely like bullish on the crypto market, but for the next, maybe like three to six months, definitely not. I'm definitely bearish the next three to six months. Um, it's, it's a crazy ICX at one point was at $11. Oh, well, that was a long time ago. That was like three yeah. years ago. We can't compare to that. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I understand. But like, like it, that's crazy. I was just looking at the charts here. It has been doing great as of late, but holy cow, I forgot that it hit that much. A lot of those alts just got pumped. Yeah, I think that... I mean, that was obviously the heyday of crypto. I mean, that was when it was at its, uh, you know, definitely the peak 
Um, and I, look, I think at some point we get there again, it's going to take a while. But I mean, now, at the same time, is, is the market cap bigger right now than it was then? Mm-mm. You I, mean I for, see wait, it's for at crypto, 940, crypto, go crypto ahead. in general or, or ICX? No, no, no. Crypto in general. Uh, I'd have to double check. I'd say it's probably, I mean, Bitcoin's obviously helped a lot. Yeah. And I mean, when you see it, Bitcoin at that and the the overall market cap of crypto, like, I don't know. It seems like right now, like it could be considered the heyday as well, but I I had forgotten all my numbers. Uh, I think we're actually starting to see real true fundamentals. So I wouldn't agree with that. Now, I do think there'll be a retracement, like I said, but I do think we see a lot more fundamentals now than we ever saw three years ago, 100%. Well, three years ago is the wild west. Yeah, I know. But I mean, that's my point. So I mean, like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. You're right. I mean, we're it, not talking about we're in not talking sense. It was like, I, I think gone are the days of somebody going and making a Twitter post and their coin like 10 xing overnight. Of course. Yeah, that's not like, holy that that was insane. That was insane. Right. Just thinking back, it was like, like Tron that that dude would go make one Facebook post and all of a sudden he's 10 x and then and then it goes like 20 X down the next day. It's like, <laughs> it, it was insane. That was unlike anything that I've ever seen. I, I, I lost a good amount of money during that, but uh, the experience. <laughs> the yeah, experience exactly. <laughs> it's all about the experience. Like you can't just always look at things as like a pure dollar value one way or the other. It's all about exactly. like, it's exactly. all about the learning experiences along the way, Jess. Exactly. And we, Hey, I got to live in a true wild West and it was, uh, <laughs> it, it was fun. <laughs> That was crazy. Oh my God. I mean, those trading days were just off, off the charts. I mean, yeah. And I mean, and we met, you know what I mean? Now we're I know it's how we met. Together. Yeah. It's crazy. We met because we were living in the wild west and, uh, Lachlan and he, like we were trying, I don't know. I was in, I was trying to get good at trading and that, but it's like in those days, it was like, it was crazy but we were both in the same spot, like, like looking at it. And I think we both kind of came out of it at the same time. We're like, okay, let's focus on something that's real. And uh, that's when you approached me about Zen sports. And I was like, okay, I can see a long-term value because I see a huge market cap in, in sports betting, especially with it becoming legal now. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, this, and I, I think we talked about in the first one, but I dumped everything that I had left in crypto, uh, into Zen sports just because I saw it as a long-term like safe option. And frankly, I was done. I was done. Well, I mean, startups are risky, but when you compare it to what we were doing, I mean, it was yes, a safe, a safe option. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what does that say about how, what does that say about how risky uh, what we were doing with that was? <laughs> oh, insane. I mean, I like, yeah, I, I invested in, in a startup company, which always is risky. But when you're talking about investing in these coins that had absolutely no value and never would, right. like, man, you were just living on a prayer that it was the, it was the coin that was going to get pumped that day. <laughs> that, that was the only like, thing. Please go up. Please yeah. Or go you're up. Like, you invest in this coin and you're like, oh man. Uh, the founders, please make some cryptic Twitter post today. <laughs> please make some cryptic Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it, it was crazy. It was great. So I've at least, I've at least felt. Safe. Please do something to pump my bags. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. 
Oh, oh my God. Anyway, yeah, it was fun. It was fun, but it's also fun. Uh, like seeing the growth of a company and it, it's a it makes a little more sense. It was like, you know, I've always had the trust in you. Like I've seen the work ethic and, uh, I was like, Hey, I'm going to put my faith in Mark. Who's trying to build a legit product and is a dude when people try to talk about price on his uh utility token <laughs> that he's gonna shut him down real quick because exactly. he knows that the overall growth of the company is more important than some little little pump coming off and so like as far as long-term value i was i always saw it here well and, and so the so, thing is with our sports token too i mean real quickly on that like the more and, and this isn't going to happen overnight but it's going to take some time but like and this is this is something for all crypto projects out there is Get your token to have real utilitarian value. The more people are using it in real world applications, I mean, that's that's how people gravitate towards brands and people want to use things, right? And so while, you know, we've never once sold our utility token as an investment to investors, um, you know, it's always been used as utility in our app, but we want it to be for more than that. We want it to be uh, something that can be used for other sports and entertainment um, you know, industries. We want you to be able to use it on NFL.com to get a discount on your player's favorite on your favorite player's jersey, or use it to get tickets to a game, or use it to pay for your NBA League Pass subscription, and uh, or use it to play games. Uh, you know, like esport games and, and 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 stuff like that. Like, yeah, or use it to buy your Bucks 2021 NFL champions. Yeah, gear. yeah, exactly. Because that's gonna happen, <laughs> right? It's gonna happen. They're gonna there's they're okay in the regular season this year. So that they actually can save it up for the playoffs. Yes, exactly. I don't want the fucking best record in the regular season again. Okay. I'm tired of that shit. That doesn't do anything. <laughs> like I just don't care about the final regular season record. I want to win a title. <laughs> Is that too much to ask? Is that too much to ask? God. It, it could be. It don't could be. Say that say that oh man jess well good okay so we are doing this again next week holy shit we talked for an hour and a half almost or a little bit more than that uh this was a good kickoff uh it's been <laughs> it's been 10 months um and uh missed you miss miss talking to you miss doing a pod with you so so you're yeah you're... yeah i miss it too and what what a what a 10 months it was man oh man no kidding that's right Boy, that was about the longest 10 months i felt like about <laughs> i better i better not bring that up we might go on for another hour now yeah let's let's save that one for another another time <laughs> so i will see you again next monday night Thanks.